Section twenty one of the Common Reader. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Bruce Peary. The Common Reader by Virginia Woolf. Outlines two. Dr. Bentley. As we saunter through those famous courts where Dr. Bentley once reigned supreme, we sometimes catch sight of a figure hurrying on its way to chapel or hall, which, as it disappears, draws our thoughts enthusiastically after it. For that man, we are told, has the whole of Sophocles at his finger-ends, knows Homer by heart, reads Pindar as we read the Times, and spends his life, save for these short excursions to eat and pray, wholly in the company of the Greeks. It is true that the infirmities of our education prevent us from appreciating his emendations as they deserve. His life's work is a sealed book to us none the less we treasure up the last flicker of his black gown and feel as if a bird of paradise had flashed by us so bright is his spirit's raiment and in the murk of a november evening we had been privileged to see it winging its way to roost in fields of amaranth and beds of moly of all men great scholars are the most mysterious the most august since it is unlikely that we shall ever be admitted to their intimacy or see much more of them than a black gown crossing a court at dusk the best we can do is to read their lives for example the life of dr bentley by bishop monk there we shall find much that is odd and little that is reassuring the greatest of our scholars the man who read greek as the most expert of us read english not merely with an accurate sense of meaning and grammar but with a sensibility so subtle and widespread that he perceived relations and suggestions of language which enabled him to fetch up from oblivion lost lines and inspire new life into the little fragments that remained the man who should have been steeped in beauty if what they say of the classics is true as a honey-pot is ingrained with sweetness was on the contrary the most quarrelsome of mankind i presume that there are not many examples of an individual who has been a party in six distinct suits before the court of king's bench within the space of three years his biographer remarks and adds that bentley won them all it is difficult to deny his conclusion that though dr bentley might have been a first-rate lawyer or a great soldier such a display suited any character rather than that of a learned and dignified clergyman not all these disputes however sprung from his love of literature the charges against which he had to defend himself were directed against him as master of trinity college cambridge he was habitually absent from chapel his expenditure upon building and upon his household was excessive he used the college seal at meetings which did not consist of the statutable number of sixteen and so on in short the career of the master of trinity was one continuous series of acts of aggression and defiance in which dr bentley treated the society of trinity college as a grown man might treat an importunate rabble of street boys 
did they dare to hint that the staircase at the lodge which admitted four persons abreast was quite wide enough did they refuse to sanction his expenditure upon a new one meeting them in the great court one evening after chapel he proceeded urbanely to question them they refused to budge whereupon with a sudden alteration of colour and voice bentley demanded whether they had forgotten his rusty sword mr michael hutchinson and some others upon whose backs the weight of that weapon would have first descended brought pressure upon their seniors the bill for three hundred and fifty pounds was paid and their preferment secured but bentley did not wait for this act of submission to finish his staircase so it went on year after year nor was the arrogance of his behavior always justified by the splendor or utility of the objects he had in view the creation of the backs the erection of an observatory the foundation of a laboratory more trivial desires were gratified with the same tyranny sometimes he wanted coal sometimes bread and ale and then madame bentley sending her servant with a snuff-box in token of authority got from the butteries at the expense of the college a great deal more of these commodities than the college thought that dr bentley ought to require again when he had four pupils to lodge with him who paid him handsomely for their board it was drawn from the college at the command of the snuff-box for nothing the principles of delicacy and good feeling which the master might have been expected to observe great scholar as he was steeped in the wine of the classics went for nothing his argument that the few college loaves upon which the four young patricians were nourished were amply repaid by the three sash windows which he had put into their rooms at his own expense failed to convince the fellows and when on trinity sunday seventeen nineteen the fellows found the famous college ale not to their liking they were scarcely satisfied when the butler told them that it had been brewed by the master's orders from the master's malt which was stored in the master's granary and though damaged by an insect called the weevil had been paid for at the very high rates which the master demanded still these battles over bread and beer are trifles and domestic trifles at that his conduct in his profession will throw more light upon our inquiry for released from brick and building bread and beer patricians and their windows it may be found that he expanded in the atmosphere of homer horace and manilius and proved in his study the benign nature of those influences which have been wafted down to us through the ages but there the evidence is even less to the credit of the dead languages he acquitted himself magnificently all agree in the great controversy about the letters of phalaris his temper was excellent and his learning prodigious but that triumph was succeeded by a series of disputes which force upon us the extraordinary spectacle of men of learning and genius of authority and divinity 
brawling about greek and latin texts and calling each other names for all the world like bookies on a race-course or washerwomen in a back street for this vehemence of temper and virulence of language were not confined to bentley alone they appear unhappily characteristic of the profession as a whole early in life in the year sixteen ninety one a quarrel was fastened upon him by his brother chaplain hody for writing malalas not as hody preferred malala a controversy in which bentley displayed learning and wit and hody accumulated endless pages of bitter argument against the letter s ensued hody was worsted and there is too much reason to believe that the offence given by this trivial cause was never afterwards healed indeed to mend a line was to break a friendship james granovius of leyden homunculus eruditione mediocri ingenio nullo as bentley called him attacked bentley for ten years because bentley had succeeded in correcting a fragment of callimachus where he had failed but granovius was by no means the only scholar who resented the success of a rival with a rancor that gray hairs and forty years spent in editing the classics failed to subdue in all the chief towns of europe lived men like the notorious de pau of utrecht a person who has justly been considered the pest and disgrace of letters who when a new theory or new edition appeared banded themselves together to deride and humiliate the scholar all his writings bishop monk remarks of de pau prove him to be devoid of candour good faith good manners and every gentlemanly feeling and while he unites all the defects and bad qualities that were ever found in a critic or commentator he adds one peculiar to himself an incessant propensity to indecent allusions with such tempers and such habits it is not strange that the scholars of those days sometimes ended lives made intolerable by bitterness poverty and neglect by their own hands like johnson who after a lifetime spent in the detection of minute errors of construction went mad and drowned himself in the meadows near nottingham on may twentieth seventeen twelve trinity college was shocked to find that the professor of hebrew dr syke had hanged himself some time this evening before candlelight in his sash when custer died it was reported that he too had killed himself and so in a sense he had for when his body was opened there was found a cake of sand along the lower region of his belly this i take it was occasioned by his sitting nearly double and writing on a very low table surrounded with three or four circles of books placed on the ground which was the situation we usually found him in the minds of poor schoolmasters like john kerr of the dissenting academy who had had the high gratification of dining with dr bentley at the lodge when the talk fell upon the use of the word equidem were so distorted by a lifetime of neglect and study that they went home collected all uses of the word equidem which contradicted the doctor's opinion returned to the lodge 
anticipating in their simplicity a warm welcome met the doctor issuing to dine with the archbishop of canterbury followed him down the street in spite of his indifference and annoyance and being refused even a word of farewell went home to brood over their injuries and wait the day of revenge but the bickerings and animosities of the smaller fry were magnified not obliterated by the doctor himself in the conduct of his own affairs the courtesy and good temper which he had shown in his early controversies had worn away a course of violent animosities and the indulgence of unrestrained indignation for many years had impaired both his taste and judgment in controversy and he condescended though the subject in dispute was the greek testament to call his antagonist maggot vermin gnawing rat and cabbage-head to refer to the darkness of his complexion and to insinuate that his wits were crazed which charge he supported by dwelling on the fact that his brother a clergyman wore a beard to his girdle violent pugnacious and unscrupulous dr bentley survived these storms and agitations and remained though suspended from his degrees and deprived of his mastership seated at the lodge imperturbably wearing a broad-brimmed hat indoors to protect his eyes smoking his pipe enjoying his port and expounding to his friends his doctrine of the diagamma bentley lived those eighty years which he said were long enough to read everything which was worth reading et tunc he added in his peculiar manner et tunc magna mei sub terris ibit imago a small square stone marked his grave in trinity college but the fellows refused to record upon it the fact that he had been their master but the strangest sentence in this strange story has yet to be written and bishop monk writes it as if it were a commonplace requiring no comment for a person who was neither a poet nor possessed of poetical taste to venture upon such a task was no common presumption the task was to detect every slip of language in paradise lost and all instances of bad taste and incorrect imagery the result was notoriously lamentable yet in what we may ask did it differ from those in which bentley was held to have acquitted himself magnificently and if bentley was incapable of appreciating the poetry of milton how can we accept his verdict upon horace and homer and if we cannot trust implicitly to scholars and if the study of greek is supposed to refine the manners and purify the soul but enough our scholar has returned from hall his lamp is lit his studies are resumed and it is time that our profane speculations should have an end besides all this happened many many years ago End of section 21.